Thank you for checking out the sermon video here at Hope Church. We are excited that you are tuning in for this message. You are joining us for a series called Hope This Christmas. If you're joining us for the first time, I wanna be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Do us a favor and text new to hope to 94090. After you hit send, you'll get an immediate response from our team with a link to a short form for you to fill out so we can get to know you better. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the sermon. Whether you are in the room today or watching and joining with us online, I think we can all agree that 2020 has been a year filled with unexpected, unanticipated, life-altering events on a global scale. From pandemics to politics, the events of this year have been monumental to say the least. However, all of the events in 2020 combined cannot begin to compare with the magnitude of a single event in the past that forever changed the course of human history. 2,000 years ago, God became a man. 2,000 years ago, God became a man. Theologians and Bible scholars refer to this magnificent event as the Incarnation. And during the month of December, we together as a family of faith are celebrating and exploring the Incarnation in a series that we're calling Hope This Christmas. We're looking at different aspects of the fact that God became a man. Last weekend, uh, Pastor Brian Loritz taught us from the Gospel of Matthew, and we looked at the how of his coming as Pastor Brian dug deep into understanding the reality of the fact that Jesus was born of a virgin. I want us to focus this weekend on the who of his coming, understanding who Jesus really is. Dr. Wayne Grudem wrote one of the best systematic theologies I think that's ever been written. Listen to what Dr. Grudem said about the incarnation. He said, the incarnation is by far the most amazing miracle of the entire Bible. Now think about that for a minute. The Bible is filled with the miraculous. And yet Dr. Grudem says that the incarnation, the fact that God became a man is by far the most amazing miracle of the Bible, far more amazing than the resurrection and more amazing even than the creation of the universe. The fact that the infinite, omnipotent, eternal son of God could become man and join himself to a human nature forever so that infinite God became one person with finite man will remain for eternity the most profound miracle and the most profound mystery in all the universe. If anybody ever tells you that they've got this thing called the incarnation all figured out, if anybody ever tries to tell you that they totally can grasp and understand the reality that an infinite, eternal, omnipotent God could take on human flesh and become a man and be fully God and fully man at the same time, if anybody ever tells you they got that all figured out, let me give you some advice. Run away from them quickly. It's meant 
to be mysterious. It's meant to cause us to step back and say, wow, it's meant to be glorious. It's meant to be bigger than we can comprehend. And one of my favorite passages of scripture in the Bible is what I want to preach to you this weekend. If you have your Bible, I want you to open it to John chapter 1. John opens his gospel very differently than the other gospel writers. John is overwhelmed by the mystery of the incarnation. And John runs quickly to the theological significance of the reality that God became a man. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. Now stop right there for just a minute and let me help you understand if you're not familiar with this passage of Scripture. John introduces a title here. It's called the Word. In the Greek language, it's just the term logos. This word, word, was used in Greek culture in its day to refer to the divine or the the mysterious sovereign controller of everything. The secular Greeks used the word to describe the rational principle that governed the universe. The Jews used this term as a way of referring to God himself. So John, the gospel writer, uses this term, the word, to speak to both the Greeks and the Jews, those that had not yet believed in Jesus. He grabs a term that refers to the mysterious divine, and he begins to unpack some truth about him. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Now skip down in your Bible to verse 14. John picks up this thought, and the word became flesh. This one who was, he said previously, with God, this one who was God, this one who created all things, verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Out of those verses that John has given us to open his gospel, I want to unpack five truths about Jesus to answer this question or to to deal with this topic, the who of his coming. Who is this one, this God who became man, whose name is? is Jesus. I'm going to give you five truths about him. Number one, Jesus is eternal. He's eternal. Did you hear how John opened this text in verse one? In the beginning was the word. There's enough Bible doctrine in that simple phrase to keep us in a constant sense of wonder and amazement at the person of Jesus for an entire lifetime. 
In the beginning was the word. John says, when the beginning began, Jesus already was. John opens his gospel with that phrase, in the beginning. Does that sound familiar at all? What other book of the Bible begins with those three words, in the beginning? Say it out loud. Genesis, right? If you look at the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it's called the Septuagint. The three words that open the book of Genesis and the three words that open the gospel of John in English in the beginning are identical construction in the Greek language. But it's interesting. In the book of Genesis, the Holy Spirit inspired that phrase in the beginning to point us forward. The book of Genesis, the Holy Spirit is telling us how the beginning began. What does it say? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's pointing us into the future. Here's the beginning. Here's how it began. And here's everything that happened after the beginning. In John 1, 1, the Holy Spirit inspired this phrase in John's heart, not looking to the future, but looking to the past. Genesis 1.1 says, here's how the beginning began. In the beginning, God created. John 1.1 says, here's what was before the beginning began. In the beginning was the Word. John is teaching us that before the first second ever ticked off time's clock, before the first ray of sunlight ever broke across a horizon, before the first bird ever sung from a treetop when there was no earth, no galaxy, no sun, no ocean, no human race, no nothing, there was Jesus. Paul says it this way in the book of Colossians, he is before all things. Jesus is eternal. John MacArthur writes about this in his commentary. Listen to what he says. Jesus Christ was already in existence when the heavens and the earth were created. Thus, he is not a created being. Did you hear that? Jesus, regardless of what any religion in our city may try to tell us, Jesus is not a created being, but existed from all eternity. The word did not begin to be, but at that point at which all else began to be, he already was in the beginning Place it where you may. The Word already existed. In other words, the Word is before time eternal. It means that Jesus has no beginning and no ending. He just is. You ever tried to come up with a synonym for the word eternal. One day I remember distinctly our teaching team was in a meeting and we were talking about the eternality of God and the fact that Jesus is eternal. And we tried to come up, one of the things we do often is we try to say the same thing different. It's one of the things that in preaching you try to do. You try A lot of times we're teaching similar content and we're trying to say the same thing different. How do we say eternal a different way? And guess what? We struggled to come up with another word. We have all kinds of words in the English language for that which has no ending. The, often the synonyms we come up with for eternal are everlasting, 
never-ending, perpetual, endless. But all of those terms speak to something that has no ending. When we talk about Jesus, we're not just talking about somebody who has no ending. We're talking about somebody who has no beginning. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. Jesus is eternal, which begs a very real question. How long? Did Jesus exist before he created the universe? (laughs) Let me encourage you not to think about that question too long. You'll wind up with a bottle of Advil in your hand because you'll get a headache. But I know the answer. Forever. Forever. You see, we only have the ability to think in the context of time. But in creation, Jesus created time. He spoke time into existence. Jesus exists eternally outside of the parameters of time. Jesus is eternal. Let me tell you the second thing John tells us. Jesus is the eternal God. Look back at John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Two very important phrases here. Read them out loud with me. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is a very significant point. You see, many religions in the world would give Jesus a place of honor. Some religions, like Islam would give Jesus the position of a prophet sent from God. They would give him a position of honor. They would say that Jesus is one of the five major prophets. Many religions like Hinduism would say that Jesus is a teacher, a great teacher who's sent from God. Some religions like Mormonism would even say that Jesus is a man who someday became God. But you see, John is telling us something far greater than that. John is telling us that Jesus always has been and he always will be God. Jesus is not just a prophet sent from God. He's not just a great teacher of God's truth. He's not even a man who became God. Jesus is and always has been the eternal God. Let's look at these two phrases. First of all, he says, in the beginning was the word. When the beginning began, the word already was. And the word was with God. In the Greek language, that is the phrase pros ton theon. It literally means the word was face to face with God. When the beginning began, this one called the word was face to face with God. What does that mean? Well, it teaches us several things. Let me give you three in particular. Number one, it teaches us about the personality of Jesus. You see, the Word was not simply in God. The Word was with God, revealing the mystery of the divine Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We sang it just a moment ago. It speaks to divine personality. Jesus is not one that was in God and came out of God. He was with God. He was face to face with God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit for all eternity. 
It speaks, secondly, to equality. You see, in Greek culture, to approach someone face-to-face was something you only did if you knew that you were of equal rank or class with that person. You You would never approach someone in Greek culture of a higher class or standard or position face-to-face. You would always lower yourself to go into their presence. For John, writing to Greek culture here to say that Jesus was face-to-face with God means the word was not less than God he was equal to God but thirdly it speaks to intimacy and fellowship think about it in the beginning when the beginning began where was the word where he'd always been for all eternity face to face with God face to face speaks of intimacy face to face speaks of oneness face to face speaks of fellowship rch linsky the great theologian wrote this about these phrases he says the word then is not an attribute in hearing in god or a power emanating from god but a person in the presence of god and turned in loving inseparable communion toward god and god turned equally toward him the word was with God distinct from separate from equal to in fellowship with God but then he says the word was God this simple truth is the distinct difference between Christianity and all other so-called faiths or religions and throughout history it has been the single most attacked doctrine of the Christian faith that Jesus is 100% God here's what Christianity says there is only one true God and his name is Jesus You see, many will accept Jesus as a teacher. Many will accept him as a great example, but they deny that he's God. John does not leave us that option. He said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, equal to God, distinct from the Father, intimate with the Father, and the Word, Jesus, was God. And just in case we weren't leaning into what John was saying in verse 1, he writes verses 2 and 3. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Which leads me to the third thing I want to tell you about Jesus tonight. Jesus is the eternal God who created all things. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Pastor. Are you saying that Jesus is the same God that in Genesis 1-1, when it says, in the beginning, God created the... You're telling me Jesus is that God? Listen, not only am I telling you that, That's what John is saying, and not only did John say that, listen to what Paul, the great missionary theologian, wrote about Jesus. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, for by him, 
And if you want to go read the entire passage, you'll find that in verse 13, the him here is his beloved son, talking about God's son, Jesus. By him, by Jesus, all things were created. Read that phrase out loud with me. For by him, say it out loud, you ready? One, two, three. All things were created. Let me ask you a question. What part of that's ambiguous? Not most things, not some things, not little things, not earthly things. By him, all things were created. In case we're not clear, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, get this, and in him all things hold together. Why is the universe today not ripping apart at the seams and just flying into outer space? I'll tell you why. Because the one who created it all is still the one who's holding it all together. And his name is Jesus. From the glory and wonder of the galaxies to the grains of sand at the bottom of the ocean, Jesus created it all. Jesus is the sovereign creator of the universe. And after clearly building this case that Jesus is the eternal God who created all things, John said in verse 14, And the Word (laughs) became flesh. (laughs) I don't think you get it. The one who created it all became a part of his creation and lived as a human being. It's an old hymn from the 1800s written by Henry Ramsden Bramley. It's called The Great God of Heaven. Listen to a stanza out of that hymn. A babe on the breast of a maiden he lies, yet sits with his father on high in the skies. Before him, the faces of seraphim hide while Joseph stands waiting unscared by his side. A wonder of wonders which none can unfold. The ancient of days is an hour or two old. The maker of all things is made of the earth. Man is worshipped by angels and God comes to birth. That's the fourth thing I want to tell you. Jesus is the eternal God who created all things and entered the world he created. God among us. Wow. Wow. What if I told you, hey, 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 don't, don't miss church next week. God's coming in the flesh. 
I know we got this reservation thing for church going on right now, but I got a feeling we'd break our entire system with overload if we advertise next week God's coming. Now, we know every time we gather, God manifests his presence among us. But what we're reading about here in Scripture is when God took on human flesh and became a man. Listen, everything else we hold dear as Christians is meaningless if God did not become a man. Think about it. If God didn't become a man, there's no sinless life. God didn't become a man. Jesus didn't live a perfect life. He's not a qualified substitute as a sacrifice for us. If if, if Jesus didn't, didn't come into the world, there could be no death burial. If Jesus didn't come into the world, there would be no resurrection. If Jesus didn't didn't come into the world, there would be no salvation. Everything rests upon the fact, the truth that God became a man. And John unpacks it for us in three profound phrases. Here's what he said. First of all, the Word became flesh. This one who was the eternal was God with God who created all things. He became flesh. And and the tense and construction of this phrase is in the middle voice. It means that the subject is doing the action, meaning this, Jesus took on flesh himself. He made himself become human. God became a man. The infinite became finite eternity wrapped itself in time the invisible became visible the creator stepped into his creation God became man and yet continued to be fully God pastor Brian said it last weekend Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man in one person without mixture meaning he's not half God and half man. He's 100% God and he's 100% man. He's so much God, it's as if he's not man at all. And he's so much man, it's as if he's not God at all. The word became flesh. And then it says, and dwelt among us. There's the second phrase. This phrase, dwelt among us in the Greek language, it literally means to pitch your tent. If we were writing it today, we might say the word set up shop next door. God, the one who spoke everything we can see, taste, touch, feel, or smell into existence, chose to become a part of his creation and he lived among us. God with us. There's somebody who could literally say, my next door neighbor was God among us. Sometimes kids ask hard questions. Sometimes a kid will ask a question like, what what does God look like? Did you know there's an easy answer to that question? The answer to that question is Jesus. This phrase, dwelt among us, means this. Jesus is all that God is with skin on. God in the flesh. 
When Jesus slept, God slept. When Jesus ate, God ate. When Jesus healed, God healed. God in the flesh. Then the third phrase, we saw his glory. The word saw here is the Greek word theomai. We get an English word from it. It's the word theater. There are several words in the Greek language for seeing something. Some of them mean just to look upon. Others mean to glance at. This is a word we get the word theater from. It describes watching an object very closely, observing, seeing the storyline, and drawing a conclusion. John's writing. John, that fisherman who met Jesus. John who walked with Jesus for three and a half years. John, who was the one that Jesus loved, the closest of the disciples to Jesus personally. He saw everything he did. He heard every word he spoke. He was a witness to every miracle. He heard every sermon he ever preached. He watched every interaction that he had with human beings. John said, listen, the word, the one who was eternal, the one that created all things, became flesh he dwelt among us and John said we watched him and after three and a half years here's the conclusion glory glory he is glorious William Hendrickson writes it this way Thus, while Jesus was walking among them, the eye and mind of the evangelist and the other witnesses had rested on the incarnate word until to some extent they'd penetrated the mystery. They'd seen his glory, the radiance of his grace and the majesty of his truth manifested in all his works and words, the attributes of deity shining through the veil of his human nature. So that is me the last thing, the fifth and final thing. Jesus is the eternal God who created all things and he entered the world he created and here's why. That we might know him. You see, left to ourselves, you and I would never discover the truth about God on our own. We would never come to the understanding of who He is. We could never know Him intimately and personally. But God took on human flesh, became a man, lived a sinless life, offered that body as a sacrifice on the cross for our sins, and He died for us, but He didn't stay dead. He rose again. He ascended back to the right hand of the Father and one day he's coming again and he did all of that so that we might know him a little later on in this gospel of John in John chapter 14 Jesus in one sentence summarizes why he came John 14 verse 6 says Jesus said to him I am the way and the truth and the life. Think about those three phrases. Jesus said, I'm, I'm the way to God. I'm the truth. 
about God. I'm literally the life of God. And no one, hear this, no one comes to the Father but through me. Christmas is all about the truth that the eternal God who created all things entered the world so that you could know him. And let me tell you his name. His name is Jesus.